0: Where's
1: Fielder? He's gone to the dogs.
0: Happy New Year, friends. This is your host, Steve Fielder. This is the Gone to the Dogs podcast. We have made it one more trip around the sun, and uh, if nothing changes, we're all set for another year of podcasts. We did 52 last year. I think there was 14 that were done Uh, in the previous year so uh, we're as long as this old gravelly voice will hold out i guess we'll be coming at you every monday here on the du hunting supply network it's called hound cast du supply you can reach those folks if you need anything in the way of hunting gear apparel electronics and service for the items that you have it's du supply.com today is the day after grand american week uh the day that this podcast is airing and of course we're cheating a little bit we have to record these things uh before the fact so i'm here today with a long time friend and I call him Mr. Grand American because he does just about everything uh, that you can think of with that big event. And I'm sure he'll be the first to tell you he has lots of help. But just really glad to have in the, uh, in the guest chair today my longtime friend, David McKee. How are you doing, David?
1: I'm doing good, Bubba. How are you this morning?
0: <laughs> I'm doing good. I think you and Lee Curns and Lenny Kearns are probably about the only ones that call me Bubba. But I think that started, <laughs> would that start back with my writing or was that back in the AKC days?
1: I, I think when you used to do the Bubba stories is how you probably got that nickname, <laughs> Uh, but Bubba back home yeah some folks remember that yeah (laughs) yeah
0: yeah that was fun I but in my columns or or articles that I did I always tried to give a little little news from back home in the hills from old Bubba and uh, had a lot of followers for that a lot of people really enjoyed that and, and I get from time to time people ask me to to bring more Bubba into the picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, I tell you, I've caught you here on uh, the beginning of the week of grand American week. And of course we won't be able to talk about the results and how well the event went this year, because uh, this is not going to uh, air until the Monday after, but I know that you've been incredibly busy as you always are. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. My first experience with the Grand American goes all the way back to 1966, and I think that was the second year. Was 1965 the first year? I'm,
1: uh, I believe, yeah, 65 was the first. Yeah. Year.
0: Okay. I was, and I've told this story, I believe, before. If I haven't told it, I've written about it. My first experience with the Grand American was uh, on a Greyhound bus headed back to college in Lakeland, Florida from my hometown of West Virginia. And uh, as we rolled through town on highway, I believe it was 301, maybe 601. uh, Mm -hmm. I remember seeing a multitude of pickup trucks and dog boxes and lined up. And I think as we rolled through there that Uh, evening. I don't remember if it was Friday or Saturday, but the trucks were all lining up, the convoys and all that going to the woods. And uh, I'll never forget the impression that made on me. But it was a while before, uh, I guess probably after uh, uh, college and all, that I started coming down and hunting myself. What can you remember as your first experience with the Grand American?
1: Can't uh, 1976 was, uh, my first year there, uh, 16 years old, uh, went down and, um, actually I didn't hunt that night, but a friend of mine was hunting in it and, and I went with him.
0: Yeah, I see. Well, that, that's, uh, I think probably the first time I went, I, I imagine I entered a dog and hunted, uh, and, uh. I probably drew Hellhole <laughs> 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 or some interesting place like that. Yeah. Where was? Uh, oh man, I'm gonna. I'm having trouble already with the name. Uh, Me- uh, Melvin,
1: uh, Melvin Brown,
0: Brown. Where? Which club was he with?
1: He was with the, the Palmetto Club in Sumpter.
0: Pal- Sumter that's right that's that's the one I remember guys showing up to get my guide at the club, and there was a little discussion going on <laughs> <laughs> and for the desk, cause a boy had come there and wanted to enter the Grand American yeah. right there at the Sumter Club that day yeah. and go hunting that night, and they were trying to explain to him it doesn't quite work that way that yeah. you got to have an advance entry but That was one of my first, and uh, I hunted with a longtime friend now. I hadn't met him before that, Travis Windham from South Carolina on that hunt. So, yeah. Well, now, David, you, uh, they say, uh, you know, heavy hangs the head that wears the crown. Well, you're the guy that's kind of responsible on the hunt and, and, uh, well, most all facets of the Grand American. Are you still president of that association? Yes, sir. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just off, yeah, off the top of your head, what are some of your duties with that, David?
1: Well, um, all the entries come to me. Uh, uh, Deb and I take care of processing all of them, sending all of the confirmation cards and everything back out. And um, three years ago, we went to uh, doing a, a pre-draw, so now we do all that as well. Uh, and uh, some of the some of the other ones come in and help us, t- you know, do do the draw and stuff. But it's it's a lot of work up front, but it makes it easier for for everyone once we get there. So it's right. It, we're still learning on that process there, but uh, everybody seems to enjoy it because it. From the office side, it makes it a a lot better once we get there.
0: I got you. Well, if you hear a little background noise at times here, you're still very much involved in the week before the Grand American as we're talking here, and I'm sure the calls are coming in and and so
1: forth. I've gotten two calls already while we've been here. Oh,
0: I'm sure. So (laughs) we'll we'll try not to keep you too long, but – yeah, and and you know the grand American uh, to me as far as the UKC events would be in the you know the big three uh, I think uh, you know the well if you slide the world hunt in there too but, but let's say the world hunt aside you've got the Grand American the winter classic and autumn Oaks all three are big events a grand American of course I I would say that probably has a longer history than any of the those others except autumn oaks. It started in 1960, so it has about maybe five years on the Grand American in terms of longevity. But uh, just, uh, you know, everybody looks at the Grand American as the as the hunt to kick off the new year. Right. And, uh, yeah. Well, I wonder uh, just— well, I knew some of the guys, the older guys that started the Grand American. Do you remember any of those fellows? Of course it started before your time, I know yes. but um, were you able to meet and, and talk with any of the fellows that were there from the beginning?
1: Yes, yeah, some, some of the, some of the original members were were actually uh, Tater Steele was probably the mm-hmm. only one that was still involved with the Grand American. Uh, whenever I I became involved with it, uh, he mm-hmm. was actually he was the the treasurer of the Grand American at, at that time. So, him, yeah. uh, Charles Ivy, um, Melvin, a lot of those guys were still mm-hmm. around, but were not involved. But uh, but Tater was still involved.
0: Well, I always and I and I hesitate to mention some of these guys at times because I don't know what a year has has uh, you know really entailed. But I always enjoy talking to Harris Varner yeah. at the at the Grand American. Uh, A gentleman that's been there for many, many years, and I guess through my association with the plot dogs in the National Plot Association, I knew some of the founders. Uh, You know, Ralph Hendricks from Greenville, for instance, and uh, and uh, um, uh, Mr. Wilson. Oh man, I'm I'm getting bad with names, oh, David. I'm, I'm I'm getting old. I wanted to say Warren Wilson, but he's out in Missouri. But I'll think of it in just a minute. But uh, Troy Godwin was another one. Mm-hmm. I, I think Somebody maybe Jim, Jim Mathis in the early days was involved, and then of course. You don't go to the Grand American without fisting with Harry Ott. (laughs) And Harry's been around for a long time, too, hasn't he?
1: Yes, sir. I I think uh, uh, we we were talking the other day, and um, actually one of the ladies had put something on uh, Facebook about doing some interviews with people who had been there, you know, coming for a long time and stuff. And Harry's probably the only one that has been in every one that is still around.
0: That's quite an achievement when you go all the way back to 1965. And uh, I remember Harry. He has been such a good friend to me down through the years. Everybody that's listening to this knows that I kind of moved around from from registry to registry. And one time I was with one or the other of the registries that was not the one that was – uh, you know uh, licensing the grand american that year and i said harry i you know i appreciate you giving me a booth space here or not he didn't give it to me but providing a booth space for me here in the vendor barn and he said something that i uh, that meant a lot to me uh, personally and and just to show the kind of guy harry is he said uh, in that talking way of his, he said, Steve, as long as there's a grand American, there'll be a place for you here. And man, I can't can't, uh, even say that without kind (laughs) of tearing up a little bit because uh, relationships like that are are not taken uh, mildly or, or lightly. You know, and so I've always enjoyed the Grand American. Always had a great time there. I'm sure you and I can re- reminisce about a lot of people that we always saw there every year, and then aren't there anymore. You know, and uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, just down the real briefly, I can recall Paul Sheffield always being set up in the corner there in the vendor barn. And uh, Mr. Paul and and uh, his wife and and his daughters and all there remember him very very well, you know. Remember Kenny Saint John always being set up out there in a the tent like with his crystal lights and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Kenny has has passed on, and I'm sure there's there's just an awful lot. What was Robert White White uh, White what was. Yeah, Whiteford.
1: Robert Whiteford, yeah. Yeah, he was
0: Ronnie Mace's buddy. And yeah. uh yeah, I always used to see him there. And just various ones and and I know time marches on, you know, but that's if nothing else to go to the Grand American just to see old friends. You're gonna have a great time, you know. Well, yeah, why does it look yeah, go
1: ahead. I said that I think that's one of the biggest things is uh uh a lot of people get to see each other that haven't seen each other for, you know, quite a while. It is like a, a, a big reunion. Um uh, my uh, dad was laughing the other day, she was reading something and she said, These people don't care they don't care about the hunt, they just care about getting to come be with each other and everything. That's yeah, a that's that's a huge part of it.
0: It is. It really is. And uh and that's what I tell uh, a young fellow be joining me uh, this year uh, or will would have joined me. <laughs> it's kind of confusing here that was <laughs> on the air after the event. Uh, that went to Autumn Oaks for the first time this year, and he asked me back then, he said, "What should I go to? And I, a Grand American or Autumn Oaks? And I said, well, both. You need to go to both because uh, Grand, uh, Autumn Oaks was coming right up you know so he went there and had a great time and now he's going to be at at the grand american too so i'm looking forward to his reaction you know and yeah. uh, and uh, and see all the people uh, that he gets to meet and that I hopefully i'll be able to introduce him to uh well grand american tell tell the uh listeners a little bit how the hunt works okay just the structure
1: all right uh, you know it's a, it's a two-night event um and this year we've we changed this a little bit we we had some pretty strong discussions and uh you know one thing people, people don't realize is the grand american is made up of uh clubs throughout the state that put it on so we meet three times a year um uh, and this year we had, um, or last year, I'm sorry, i got to remember we're in January, but, but last year we had one of the uh, clubs pro- made a, give a proposal to uh, change the entry fee and give the money back to the top 20. We had been doing $35 and taking $5 off of each entry and dividing it between the, the top 20 each night. Uh, the proposal was to go to $50 and to take $20 and do that. So we're, we're doing that this year. So um, just based on the pre-entries without the walk-ons right now, the top 20, each one of them is going to get $169 uh, cash in addition to their trophy and, 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 and other awards and stuff. So, that's, that's a change, and, you know, we were kind of hesitant about um, going to $50, but, you know, we haven't had anybody complain or anything about it, and um, hopefully that's going to make a, a significant uh, difference in the in, uh, number of hunts. If not for next year when people realize where that money is going, uh, you know, we'll do a good job promoting that. But, but anyway, we take – Uh, Our double cast winners, Uh, and then we take the top four out of the double cast winners, and they get to go back out um, Sunday morning at uh, 3.30 in the morning and and hunt for an hour to to hunt it off. And uh, somewhere around daylight, usually Sunday morning, we're crowning our Grand American Champion. Um, The show, Danielle Champ took over the show about, Three years ago, uh, uh, which has been a tremendous uh, amount of help for me, and, and she's done a great job with it.
0: Uh, she's got she, a lot of energy. Well, really a great, great person. Uh, I, I love she?
1: her to death. Yes. Yeah. For uh,
0: sure.
1: Her, her, and Gary both just you know worked their tails off up there, and um, the show last year went over three hundred dogs, which wow. was uh, uh, tremendous and uh am yep. looking forward to be that way this year uh as well uh, and we'll uh you know we're we're kind of always working to uh, to try to make things better but I think the the entry there uh, going up to fifty dollars and and giving that money back to the hunters is uh is significant and, and I hope uh everyone realizes that you know, that's a, that's a pretty good bonus, you know.
0: Well, you know, David, in light of, you know, back in the day, way back when entries were five, 10 bucks or whatever, that might've been a a significant jump that would have been, you know, may have caused a lot of people to, to kind of feed back. <laughs> there. Right. But today, when you see the phenomenal entry fees that are being charged at hunts, right. of course, you know, some of them are paying back a phenomenal amount of money too, but most of the guys are, are saying, man, I can't even enter. <laughs> when you're talking four figures and up for yeah. an entry fee, $50 it is... And, and you're paying it back to the hunters, too. You know, so I think it's a good move. I applaud you. I I didn't choke a bit when I sent that check. Uh, of course, I hope it's good. If it bounces, I'll send you another. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, we got a little dog in the hunt this year, and I'd I'd be tickled to death to have to be out there uh, early Sunday morning. Uh, you know, tra- uh, standing on the road rooting for my dog while my buddy <laughs> is out there in the swamp. But I—we're not—we're uh, not naive enough to think we're going to take a 14-month-old pup and win the Grand American. But we're going to go and have a good time anyway. You know. You
1: don't—you don't, you don't never know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't win if you don't play. Can That's you? right. That's right. Right. Uh, Well, besides the Grand American, and, of course, I know uh, before we leave that all together, um, how many hours sleep would you estimate you get in the weekend between Thursday and Sunday?
1: Oh, about four or five. Four (laughs) or five. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because you don't live right there around Orangeburg. You have have a bit of a drive
1: down there, don't you? Yeah, I'm 110 miles from the fairgrounds, so Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll leave out um, Thursday morning. I'll leave here around 536. And all of us that are working on Thursday, we meet uh, and eat breakfast together at 8 o'clock. And then once we eat, we go out to the fairgrounds, uh, get everything, uh, make sure any last-minute details. uh, At um, 950, we all meet at the main gate. Um, We have a prayer uh and Attaboy. at a boy 10 o'clock we open the gate and get started uh that's been a tradition ever since i've been president we've done that
0: well uh i, I certainly applaud you for that because I, with all the people that you're gonna entertain through those gates uh, actually beginning on uh, thursday you have the uh what do you call that, Coon Fest or something like that? Yeah, we have like
1: Coon Fest, and you know, all the vendors set up, and um, we are actually open the dogs on the grounds as well, so they'll be coming in. A lot of them come in on Thursday morning as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, when, we, when we get there, the they'll be lined up at the main gate waiting to come in.
0: Well, I miss most of that because I usually roll in late Thursday afternoon and stop at the gate and talk to my old buddy Dale. Usually sitting out there, and uh, and uh, you know, and and I'll be at the in the vendor barn and our usual place with American Cooner Full Cry Magazine, there inside the big white vendor barn, and and I will plug a little bit. I will have books with me and a few logo hats and all, but I mostly be there with Terry Walker, who is one of your major sponsors uh, of the Grand American Day.
1: Yes, sir. That's correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, CNH Publishing. But uh, anyway, so the grant. Let me before we leave Great American altogether. Can you remember a particular incident or something that was really unusual, or something that happened over the years, or or something that just comes to mind—a story or something?
1: I, I, I think uh, there's there's been so many uh, things happened. <laughs> that uh trying to come up one but I, I i can remember um gosh probably in the, in the 90s when i was actually doing the master of hounds uh oh yeah and and the little office there in the corner used to have a set of double doors on it where it's one door now but uh, uh you mentioned harris Barner a while ago harris was our I guess you would call him our sergeant at arms or whatever but he always stood at those doors uh, anytime we had a question or anything like that and uh we were we're we were in the middle of a of a question and somebody came and just pushed both of the doors and hit Harrison in the back and knocked him forward and uh Uh, You know, if you don't know Harris, I mean, you don't, he's, you know, he's about six eighty. He's not uh, a
0: little guy.
1: No. So, (laughs) he comes floundering across through there, and uh, then he turned around and uh, proceeded to get the guy (laughs) who had opened the door to put it mildly, you know, but I still pick at him about that, uh, you know. he it's like a
0: western somebody coming yeah.
1: pushing through those
0: bat wing doors yeah. on the saloon right yeah. <laughs> no I don't think I'd pick out Harris if I was going to pick somebody yeah. to uh-huh. shove around <laughs> <laughs> oh that's uh, crazy then, things that happened at the Kuna and it? then uh, yeah you
1: know the, the heel uh, the heel out oh there, yeah um, they took it down two years ago and uh, we were I don't know how many of us were talking, but the memories that our families had on that hill. I mean, you know, my wife, uh, even she slid down that hill on cardboard. You know, my kids, my grandkids. Uh, <laughs> some,
0: oh, yeah, that was a feature, you oh, know, yeah. right there. Uh, I guess it was the back side of the track.
1: It was. It was worth Wasn't uh, it? When yeah, they, when they pushed, pushed the, or,
0: yeah, or the, yeah, um, bleachers, bleachers on the a, other side. Right. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the kids would find pieces of cardboard to get them from the vendors, I guess. Yeah, yep. And they'd get out there and slide down. It's a grassy hill mm-hmm. where it was. What was And they'd slide down that hill. And it was fun. I took a, a lot of uh, photos and videos over the years of the kids sliding down that hill. That oh, was, yeah. Yeah. It was like a theme park, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean that yeah, was cool. that was just some of the some of the good memories and then um gosh, I you know, we've made we've made so many improvements over the years. Uh so, uh you know, when I first first uh memories of going was everybody drove through and everything, you know. And, oh yeah. Uh just vehicles through there all the time and uh, all of that's gone now. You know, we don't, we don't allow any of that, but, uh, um, those are just things that you look back and sure. You, I, I remember coming in. Well, I was probably 18 and 19 years old, but driving in and this, this lady in front of me, for some reason, she just decides to back up and backs <laughs> right into the front of my truck. My bumper just caves in her, uh, trunk lid you know and she's all upset her husband's gonna be upset and i'm thinking good guys what what are we gonna do you know and then uh, finally someone comes over and says look just pull over to the side and you know know, she's at fault so you ain't got to worry about anything but those those things kind of things you remember over the years yeah
0: for sure for Um, sure um,
1: I can remember well, being in the office and uh, it raining so hard uh, that you know the whole office leaked and water running down the walls and us having to move paperwork and stuff around trying to uh, keep it from mm. getting wet and a little old heater in the corner trying to keep us warm. So
0: uh, over the years, there, there's been a few times it's been cold at the Grand American. Now I looked at the weather <laughs> yeah. report and it looks like you know the weather's good. For yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from what we've had but, in the
1: last four or five years, this this weekend it's looking like it's going to be real, real good.
0: Yeah, well, that that's that's awesome. And uh, the main thing is that everybody has a good time, you know. And that that's I know that's where your heart is, David. And yes, yeah, and you you say just a, a word about the you know the staff there. You have uh-huh. a huge staff uh-huh. and. Uh, uh, Tell us about that a little bit. You don't have to name all the names. Well, but, uh, I,
1: I wouldn't want to because I'd be remiss uh, if I left someone out. But, yeah, it takes about 30 of us working there to, to put it on. And, and, and they start, like I said, on Thursday morning, uh, and they work throughout until Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. Um, everyone yeah. is there from, you know, when the gates open, everyone's expected to be there and and right. they are and, and they all have a a particular job that they take care of and then you know we kind of have uh, some of us uh officers and board members are assigned to, to certain groups and stuff to help take mm-hmm. care of everything but mm-hmm. i mean even just the parking you know when you you look at we we're, we're going to park somewhere between 6,000 and 8,000 vehicles for that weekend um you know that's 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 a lot of people that come through there and and, uh out there on the dog grounds you know we we have anywhere from 100 to 150 people out there selling dogs and and then we you know we we have the ones who uh want to try to sell some used items and stuff which is okay it's great for us uh we we call it our little we call it harry's flea market you know uh, out (laughs) there and uh and we we're, we're, we try to take care of those, and as long as there's no ones you know out there uh, selling new items, you know we we don't allow that because it's not fair to our vendors. Uh, for a vendor to pay two hundred bucks and have to get a license, and someone pull up there and pay thirty dollars and and want to okay. sell some, those are the type of things that we deal with every weekend, and sure. and we'll have. You mentioned automotes a while ago. One thing. You know, there, it's a a lot uh, bigger fairgrounds. It's it's, uh, laid out Mm -hmm. different, and they allow the golf carts. Well, every year we have people who want to bring the golf carts, but, you know, unfortunately our fairground is not as laid out as big. It's a lot smaller, uh, more compact, if you will. So we can't, we just can't, you know can't accommodate
0: yeah, you got, you'd have too many pedestrian <laughs>
1: yeah. incidents. Yes. it's yeah. it's uh
0: tough sometimes especially like on saturday to even get around the grounds just with all the foot traffic because yeah. of all the people that are there that, you know
1: yeah, that's that's what you know people are telling me you know they'll, they'll ask me you know was it a big crowd and i'm like <laughs> i can't answer that question because you know after we get through with open ceremonies, I pretty much don't come out of the office until the cast are starting to mm-hmm. the woods, so I don't get the opportunity to be out there. Uh, a lot of days I yeah. would I would like to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just- well, that's over the years with me, too, in the last few years when I've been in the booth there with Terry Walker, and people come by and want a, a book or want to talk to me or, or whatever. So I'm pretty much, you know, tied to that one general area i do try to get out every year and at least take a walk around the grounds you know just to yeah. maybe peep in at the bench show and all but you know i'd really like to be able just to spend time there you know and 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 walk around and go through all the vendor stuff and see all the things i don't need but i'd want want and uh And all that, but uh, talking about vendors, I saw the other day where you guys listed, or I guess the guy that's in charge of your vendors listed that there were uh, more than eighty already signed up for this year. Yeah,
1: is that right? I think I think think Ashley said she uh, she had eighty six, and then she sent me a text um, one one night. And saying that she had already got a few more, um, mm-hmm. said was,
0: <laughs> So it's gonna e- you can easily assume that there'll be a hundred vent
1: of a hundred, I, I yes, or sir. more. I think, I think we'll yeah. be uh, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred. Right. All um, right. This is this is actually her first year um, taking care of the vendors. Um, so she's and she's doing a phenomenal job with it. She's. Um, ashley is um ralph crago's granddaughter um, i see ralph was our vp for a lot of years but um, she's been she's been involved with coon hunting you know her whole life since she was a little now she's got a oh boy her son is around 10 and uh he he coon hunts so a uh, matter of fact i got the First weekend, first Monday in December, we actually went uh, went hunting together. So,
0: oh well, that's good. That's good. That's a name that's been associated with Grand American yeah. for a long time too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want to dwell too much on on these events and all, but just real quickly, uh, you also wear the hat of president of the South Carolina Coon Hunters Association, right?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, yes, yeah. been president since '95.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's quite a long time. Yeah. Well, I, I've often said, you know, if you got a job to do, find a busy man, you know, but man, I've often wondered how do you juggle all this stuff? And you're still involved with the American Kennel Club as a, as a, a yes, field rep or whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, and then, uh. Beyond that, what else you got going on?
1: <laughs>
0: You're not well, the mayor of Whitmire, South Carolina, are you? No,
1: no. No, uh, no. Back, uh, the backside of politics is all I want. I don't need any of the front of it, you know. Huh? <laughs> I,
0: I, I, <laughs> I well, deal with a
1: lot of it on, on our end, but. Um, um, yeah. Well, you've done. A all- no
0: right well you've done a lot of legislative work on behalf of Coon Hunters and Houndsmen of all kinds in the state of of South Carolina and i certainly commend you for that too uh, i know that, that you you've got a uh, presence in in the state capital uh people know you in the game department uh, know that you represent the hound sports and all uh, how long have you been dealing with that, those kind of things, you think?
1: Probably since 1995, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, when I got elected president, um, there was um, a House member who was actually a coon hunter, uh, and uh, Larry Coon was his name. And mm-hmm. and Larry was the chairman of the of the House Ways and Means Committee, which is, if you know anything about politics, you know that's that's the most powerful uh, committee there uh, because they they, drive they provide
0: private. the money. They drive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So uh, you know, Larry told me he said, "You need to get involved. You need to start uh, getting making some relationships with some of the uh, people in there and stuff, and with the DNR and stuff." So we. We did. He was my mentor for that, and uh, worked with me. And, and uh, now, um, Laird Thompson uh, and myself—you know, Laird's our vice president—we um, do have some very good working relationships with with a lot of the House and Senate members. Uh, to the point that we, uh, you know, we have some of them uh, cell phone numbers, which they don't give those out. Uh, so. Most anybody, because and I understand, and you know, I don't share them. But uh, same way with the uh, the, the director and the Colonel of the DNR, you know, we we have that relationship with them. And actually, uh, uh, they put on a dinner every year the DNR does for uh, the legislators and stuff, and uh, and Laird and I are invited every year to that. So. You know, we always go, and you get a chance to sit down and talk with some of them face-to-face. So it always helps when, uh, when you do call one of them if you know, they can remember remember who you are when, you, when you've met each other. So, Well, That's I think fun. it was
0: Mike Thorman with the Michigan Off Federation up, up there that I worked with for, for many years that said, you know, it's important to know who your representative is, but it's more important that they know who you are. That's and, uh, right. you know, so when you go into uh, uh, Columbia, you know, you can uh, uh, be recognized and they know who you represent. And and um, so having done that kind of work for many years, I know how rewarding it can be. I also know how frustrating it can be sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, well, David, you certainly have um, more uh, done more than your share um, for the houndsmen of South Carolina and across the nation that come to, to Grand American and also those that attend the big AKC events like the World Championship and things like that. So they get to see you there and see the results of your efforts. So, man, that's, that's great. I know all these things about you, but what I know that I like best is that you're a pretty good hunting buddy and that you're a pretty good guy to go to the woods with <laughs> and have a good time with. <laughs> and we've had a lot of those times, but we're not having them right now, and I'm, and I'm overdue.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that, That's the biggest thing is the memories you make, and, and, and man, you and I have so many of them. Ah. Uh, on how many miles we have traveled together. <laughs> but,
0: it's uh, been a bunch. It's, it's been a been bunch. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell them that story about me going down through Thomasville, Georgia, when oh, back boy. in the cell phone days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he was having trouble with his cell phone, so he, he's talking with, with an AT and T or Verizon, or I think Verizon. maybe yeah, I believe it was, <laughs> but but anyway, then he needed another cell phone to do something with, so he's got my cell phone, and he's on both cell phones, and and the part uh, that I left out up to this point is he was driving. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do not try this at
1: home. First. No, so <laughs> I I finally I just reached over and I grabbed the steering wheel. I'm like, you take care. Like, I'll drive. <laughs> So I'm driving like the mailman, <laughs> you know, when they used to reach over and, and, and hang
0: on. <laughs> I'm not proud of that moment, but it is real, it is humorous oh. as you look back. But yeah, it, it, my it frustration. Yeah, and as you know, like David, it, yeah, I'm not the most patient guy in the world either. <laughs> oh,
1: no. Oh, no. No.
0: So <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably one of our deals where we were going to. To down to Johnny Brinkley and the Brinkley Brinkley's.
1: We yeah, yeah, <laughs> so there wasn't much traffic on the road. Yeah, oh. thankfully,
0: we were down one of those old backcountry Georgia highways uh, at the time, so yeah, we had a lot of good times, you know. Um, Those times that we spent, and we probably talked about this on a podcast sometime before. I don't know if we did or not. But uh, those times that we spent around Johnny and Laquita's table uh, on our hunts that we took down there for years uh, were some of my favorite memories. I mean, you know, we always went when we, we were, well, I was with... UKC, when we started the the Winter Classic in Albany, Georgia. And then I went to work with PKC and we had a hunt in Thomasville, Georgia. And I believe it was our mutual friend Lee Kearns that uh, invited me to go with him down to Johnny's uh, one night after we got the dogs out at Thomasville. Lee was was. helping me with the bench shows at that time. Uh, We had started. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was actually judging that show
0: Right, time. that's yeah. right it's
1: I think that's that the one.
0: first time we really got acquainted, David It uh, was, I, yeah. that
1: was the first year we went down to Johnny Nims
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, did we have some, some fun times down there uh, Yes H.L. Uh, Meyer would be down there at times and, and uh, Lee and of course his boys and And all, but uh, those mornings after the coon hunt, when we'd sit around the table and and tell stories, and of course, (laughs) Laquita'd feed us way too much. Yes. uh, You know you can't, you cannot put a, a price tag on that kind of experience. You know you could get, you can rent a room in a five star hotel with the best golf course in the country and and the finest chef and all of these kind of things and and treat yourself to a week in there to me it wouldn't even hold a candle no. to the fun that we had <laughs> in those days no
1: oh uh, you know uh. Sitting on the tailgate with Jake and him eating oysters. And, uh, yeah, I meant to <laughs>
0: mention Jake Lewis and little Jake, his son. Yeah. And, and yeah. Kenny that used to come up with him and yeah. all those guys. You know, uh, wow. <laughs> Johnny and his son uh, have some property there out uh, not far from where Johnny lives. And in fact, Doug, his son, I think, built a house here within the last few years. Out there. He did. But he did. this is all fenced-in property with dog-proof fence. So you can cut your dog in there and not worry about him getting on a highway or getting on somebody else's land. Now, occasionally that coon will get through that fence or maybe climb a tree and get away. But, uh, man, you know, we Johnny had an old metal table sitting out there. And I think he told me that he repaired or, or no rebuilt over 3,000 transmissions on that table when he uh-huh. had it in his shop. He ran a, yep. a transmission shop there in, in Tallahassee, I think. But, man, he I got to get Johnny Brinkley on this podcast, and I'd like to have you back, David, when I do. Because Johnny has got story after story. Look at here, yeah. Steve. he's uh, saying, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then yeah. I just lean back, and here we go, because Johnny has a yeah. great, great story, and a sweeter guy, a better friend, a better disposition in human being I've never met
1: in my life Ab- absolutely, you know, you know Johnny's been uh, going through some health issues for the past five years, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, but always. Anytime I talk to him, he's always the same upbeat, oh, uh, always yeah. positive, talking yeah. about the, the things. And um, I do. I, <laughs> I, I miss getting to go down there. Um, I actually about three years ago, we had an AKC event down in the, in in Georgia, and, and I left a day early and went by and and spent the night with yeah. Johnny and, and Laquita and. Uh, Man, we have just had a great time. I mean, you know, didn't get get to turn the dog loose because John is not able, but right. man, we had a great time this visiting.
0: Yeah, and that's really what it's about, you know, for me and always will be. I I have people contact me. I got a letter the other day that uh, on, a message that kind of concerned me a little bit. And I I tried to take it uh with Hopefully the intent that it was written. It was written by a guy. He said he was 41 years old. And he listened to the podcast and he enjoyed it. He read my book. He said he read it from beginning to end. And, all, and he enjoyed the podcast. But he says when you talk about younger hunters, you talk in a demeaning way. You talk as if, you know, it, 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 it's not encouragement to younger hunters. And I told him, I said, Man, I am definitely don't want to bring that message to these younger kids and younger people. But at the same time, you know, I'm an old guy. Okay. I'm 76 years old. My ways are the older ways. You know, I learned from the time I was a kid about hounds growing up and all. And I feel that there's a lot of value there to share. And I also feel that sometimes, and I don't say all, but sometimes the younger hunter would rather uh, uh, confront uh, instruction or suggestions than they would to try to uh, absorb it and try to, you know, get what's good out of it. It almost seems like sometimes there's an attitude, well, this guy's old. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to mm-hmm. confront him about it, and and that's fine as long as it's done respectfully. I, I am not going to take disrespect from anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad taught me that at a very early age. You, know, you don't have to like me. You don't have to agree with me, but you need to to treat me in a respectful manner, and I'll do the same for you, you know. But I do think about that, and I certainly don't want to bring that message to young people. That, that there. But when I say younger hunters today seem to want to do it this way, there's always a but. You know, I've been there before, or I know people that have been there before, and they say, uh, or experience teaches me that I need to do it this way. And I just wish we could bridge that gap. And I'm going to try to watch that going forward that I, when I speak about younger hunters or new hunters, this guy had said he had hunted for three years. Uh, But I I don't want to give them the impression that I don't uh, want to listen to them and I don't want to take their suggestions and all because I think that'd be a dead end street. But at the same time, I'm not going to change my ways just because, <laughs> just for the sake of change. Do you feel yes. that way, David, or, or am I way I, out I, I of left field?
1: I, I understand that it's it's a uh, it's a lot of uh, it's it's different from from when you and I came up, you know, and uh, and and even today uh, with me still being involved with with the administrative side and stuff, you know. The, the, the mentality I, I guess has changed over the years not not just in coon hunting but in society in general and um, some of the, some of the things that we look at uh, the memory side and, and, and things like that uh, a lot of our younger hunters haven't got to that point yet there's and, and I look back and I can remember when when I was going to a competition hunt, pretty much every weekend, I mean, you know, I went to, to, to win, you know, I didn't go to make friends. Uh, I made friends, uh, but that was not what I was there for. You know, I was there to compete and, uh, and to promote my dog and, and to win. And, and so I, I do understand that that aspect of it is still there. And for for us old farts like you and I, that's, uh, that's not there anymore and and Mm -hmm. sometimes when we do try to make the younger people see that there is another side to it uh, you know they're not ready to to get there yet so I, I kind of what I tell some of them at the club now you know If you don't want my opinion, don't ask. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, as we get older, we have a lot of memories. We have a lot of experiences. Yeah. And, you know, and the older you get, David, you'll you'll understand what I'm saying here because I'm considerably older than you are, is that everything brings up a memory. Uh, It brings up an experience. That's where all these stories come from. And uh, it's not to say, you know, I know everything there is to know. And I want to, in this new year, uh, this is two confessions are good for the soul, they say. I want to go on record as saying I am going to be careful what I say about younger and newer hunters so that any word that I pass along to them is a word of encouragement Not uh, from a a lofty place, but from a place of, you know, I understand where you are, where your sport is, and, and how it's going. But if you've got time to listen, you know, I've got a suggestion that you might try. That worked for me, and yep. maybe it'll work for you. That's the kind of attitude that I want to bring to these younger hunters. But I tell you what, you get that old – I just posted <laughs> something on Facebook this week because my good friend Al Metcalf in Georgia had posted a picture of Devil Ants Hatfield sitting astride a black horse. And that's my family. My mother was a Hatfield. She Her parents right. were from East Kentucky. And all that, you know. So I I've got a little bit of that old fire in me, you know. And if <laughs> if if I think one of these young whippersnappers is gonna challenge me, man, I'm up for it, you know, I think. Yeah. But that's what happens. We still the mental aspect we're still tough. But when it comes to the physical aspects, of course we aren't. But anyway, I've whipped that horse enough. But that—that that was just <laughs> something that that came up well, uh, recently.
1: It's just something I, when you were saying, I was thinking that was we we were at a, a club meeting last month, a month before last, and and the guys were talking about they were giving each other a hard time about trying. They were swapping. Uh, a, a, a coon from one live trap to the other and talking about trying to shake it and keeping it from getting bit and all these things and I'm just sitting over there and and, and finally one of the guys says there's got to be an easier way to do it and one of them said Mr. Dave, what's what's the easiest way to do it? I said put both of them the opening to the opening take a coat throw the one you want it to go in he'll go right in it so they did, you know, and, and it was like, that That took, we've been fighting this thing for 30 minutes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, and, and that's the thing I'd like to see the younger hunters. And, and I've got one in my circle of friends, Keston Jesse. He's been here on my podcast a few times. He and I, a partner on a walker puppy up there. Uh, he hunts. Every night he possibly can. Uh, and, uh, you know, he asks all kinds of questions. From the very first time I met him, it was, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. And Keston has not been a guy said, well, that doesn't sound like, right to me. He never does. He never says, right. I don't agree with that. I don't think that'll work. He asks his question. He it listens. To my opinion, now, I don't know how much of it he's digesting, but he doesn't throw it back at me, you know. Right. And I think right. if we could convince the younger people, you know, it's like going to supermarket. Go down the aisle. You don't have to take everything on the shelf, mm-hmm. you know. Just pick out the items you want and yeah. go pay the cashier. And that's the same thing, whether it's on the Internet or whether I'm speaking on a podcast or somebody's. Uh, Writing an article in a magazine, take it with a grain of salt. Consider the source and say, "Well, this guy's been at it for quite a long time. Maybe, just maybe, he can suggest something that'll help me." You know.
1: And, and, and I, 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 I hear that a lot of times. I uh, they'll be talking and and they'll ask one of the, I, I'd say middle-aged guys, if you will, you know, how how would you do this or whatever, and they'll they'll tell them and it's like man, that's a great idea. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know, it's that's, that's, that's correct because it's been around forever, you know, uh, but I, it's just like they don't realize that some of, some of the ideas that they have are not really ideas. It's things that have been implanted in them at, at one point or another.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: from someone older. Yeah. I, look, John Wick's book, look how relevant that book still is today.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. How many of
1: his training tips are out there, people are using, they don't even realize where they come from.
0: Right. That's exactly true. And I thought in my response to this writer, you know, I said, you know, I'm old and my ways are old, but, you know, coon hunting is a very old sport. You know, it, it's a very old yes, sport. Absolutely, And, It it really hasn't changed that much. The style of dogs that we have, uh, the night hunts, I'd say, have changed considerably due to the style of dog that we're hunting now. With that, what we call these deep and lonely ambush type dogs, where we, you and I, came up in the era of where dogs pack tighter. You know, uh, handling a dog in a night hunt was a lot more. Intense because there was competition oh, yeah. there between the handlers. Now yeah. you know not so much. You know you don't have to be competing with that other dog for that first tree uh, as yeah. much. A- and so, but coon hunting again is is very old. Uh, the old tried and true methods that Lester Nance used and James Merchant used and Joe House used and all these guys down through the years they're still work today and uh, with and, and there has been some innovations that have come along you know electronics has probably changed our <laughs> sport more than anything yeah you know? yeah points well taken david for sure well well i tell you what man we've been at it almost an hour here and i promised you that's about what i'd take away from your busy schedule this week but uh Let's talk just a little bit before we go about some of the dogs that you've had down through the years that you liked. I know I mentioned to you earlier that I really liked that female out of nighttime savage that you had named Ann. And uh what what have been some of your favorites down through the years?
1: Uh, uh Ann was definitely ranks up there as one of the uh the best hounds I've owned and uh uh you know, I, I never really, uh, competition hunted and a lot because I was at that point and, um, that, uh, that it wasn't a priority, uh, uh, with me anymore. Uh, and, and I, I've had, uh, uh had a, a real good male, uh, dog, uh, off of Lee Kearns' this, uh, boomer dog named Ace, um, that, uh, <laughs> did real well with, um. Uh, um, branded him out on the bench and on in on, the hunts as well. Um, he was uh, he was a, just a real smart dog, which was most of uh, of the dogs out of that bloodline were. Uh, only time I ever put a leash on him was on a competition hunt. I mean, he was just that type of dog. Uh, yeah, had a female. Oh gosh, in the eighties. Uh, that was uh, a riverbend flag dog that was a uh, very, very uh, good hound. Um, she was actually, uh, my my son picked her out as a pup, and um, he, if asked him, it was his dog. But anyway, uh, she was uh, uh, one of those, probably one of the first ones I had that was more independent than others. And, uh, um, she didn't mind being with other dogs, but um, she didn't mind being by herself either. She, yeah. You know, and and you made a good point there. When 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 used to when when you were competing, you know the dogs were packed and and, and really you you had to know your dog better than you do now because now they're pretty much off by herself uh, more than they are together. So it's a lot easier to pick your dog's voice out when it's alone than it is when there's uh, three others in there uh, opening with it. So, but she, she was one of those that uh, she would get off by herself and, and tree And, uh, and, and, you know, you hunted with Ann uh, a lot of times and she was just a, a male dog in a female's body. I mean, she, I've never had a dog with a a mouth like hers, as loud as she was. (laughs) And, uh, even
0: incredible
1: yes i mean even as a pup you know she she had no no desire to be with anything else she didn't care what they were doing she was going to do her own thing whether it was in the in the swamps or you know in the mountains wherever um she was just a, her own dog and
0: and we put her in the swamps at Johnny's oh, a few yeah. times.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> in Cypress Ponds, as Johnny yeah, called.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. she looked like a black and tan when she came out of there, you know, so much mud and stuff on them. Yeah.
0: Uh, but she, was,
1: she was probably one of my favorites. And then I had an old dog named Head that I won the... Miller, 6, 6, 4, 0, 8. No. <laughs> that I won the state oh. with. It was a... He was just a big old ball mouthed dog he was a housebred uh dog that um that I really enjoyed. Um uh, that's just those are just a few that come to mind right off that, that
0: Well I enjoyed. know each of us have dogs down through the years that we you know, we look at as being favorites and all. You had a nice young dog out a cutter.
1: I did. Their, uh, I did. Uh, yeah, and uh, he got run- crow and
0: Grant's cutter. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and I, uh, I got her run. She got run over. Um, she was uh, she was making a real good hand. Uh, she was I right. could, she was off a of cutter and, Ann, uh, mm-hmm. and, and Um And mm-hmm. she didn't didn't have a with well, mouth, but she uh, was she was making a, a real a real good dog.
0: Well, and talking to my buddy, Mark Miller, who's been on this podcast before, and he and I partner in the plot dog, he had a, 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 his dog, uh, Crockett, is pretty close bred on uh, Nighttime Savage, who was Ann's sire, Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. David, something humorous came to mind. Uh (laughs) And then I'm going to let you go. A while ago, the rooster was crowing there at your house. <laughs> right? Do you hear that? Yeah. Or is oh, that yeah. That well, you, I don't pay don't any okay. attention anymore. But. Right. Well, I remember one time we were on a, a, a <laughs> staff conference call when I was with AKC. And, of course, you were on staff there with me and Lindell Price and Jimmy Phillips <laughs> and Jerry Maul. And I think Caroline... Uh, was there, uh, Murphy was there on the, uh, the call, too. And all of a sudden, we hear this jackass braying in the background. Do you remember
1: yeah. that? I was sitting on the front
0: porch, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, well, that pretty well sums up. What <laughs> what this discussion's all about? I guess. Yeah. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. oh, that was funny. But you do live outside the small town of Whitmire, there, yeah. South Carolina, right? On property, I believe it's been in your family for a while,
1: third generation,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, David, I know uh, that you got a busy weekend and I kind of cheated because I knew if I wanted to talk to you, I wasn't going to get a chance in Orange, Orangeburg, but maybe a minute or two. I do recall the days when your club also ran the club, ki- uh, the kitchen out there yeah. on the grounds. Man, that food was good and I'll miss, miss that. Yeah. But you did that for many years, didn't
1: you? We did. Uh, Deb was laughing about it the other day. She She was saying that. You know, she said, if I had a reason to come to Orangeburg, you know, I w- I would come. She said, but you know, I'm not coming just to sit in the hotel room. She said, back when we did the kitchen, you know, I, I had a reason to be there. And uh, she was like, now she said, uh, I'm not going down I just to, you know, just to sit sit in a kit a hotel room and not do anything because you stay so busy. Right. So, well, yeah, we we were talking to the grandkids about when we used to do that and. And how many people it took to to run the kitchen and and everything and the, and the, the great times that we had.
0: Oh yeah, 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 for sure. And I hope to get together with one of your proteges uh, at the Grand American and have some. Uh, some recording to share with my listeners and that's Daniel Felker oh, oh, yeah. and his partners, yeah. uh, Ryan James and Dustin Faulkner. And, yeah. and they did, I call them the UFO boys, yeah. or the yeah. Sasquatch <laughs> <laughs> boys, but they have the Coon Hunting Confidentials uh, podcast and uh, looking forward to that. But David, we'll talk more at the grand American, uh, For not to confuse our listeners, that just happened last weekend. But uh, for uh, our recording purposes, it's coming up uh, in a few days. But uh, certainly wish you all the best, buddy. Look forward to seeing you. Is there anything that we should have said that we didn't say? I
1: can't think of anything, Bubba. Just looking forward to another good time.
0: Yeah, well, we'll sure do that for sure. Folks, that's David McKee, president of the Grand American Association, the South Carolina Coon Hunters Association, also a field representative for American Kennel Club. Uh, Been a great guest here today on the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Folks, if anybody asks you where Steve Fielder is, where's he hanging out these days? Just tell them he's gone to the (music) dogs.